Do you have a tricky work problem that you need to solve? I have a great podcast recommendation for you featuring a pair of expert women. Whether you're just starting your career or a seasoned professional, check out Fixable, a podcast from TED. Hosted by Harvard professor Frances Fry and her wife, leadership coach Ann Morris, the brilliant duo provide honest, actionable advice to help you navigate everything from a gaslighting manager to returning to work after parental leave. They'll leave you feeling empowered and ready to act. Listen to Fixable wherever you get your podcasts. Podcast episode 369. I'm your host, Emily Aries, the founder and CEO of Bossed Up. Today, I'm sitting down with Tracy Foster, the co-founder and executive director of Screen Sanity, a nonprofit that brings parents and community leaders together to develop roadmaps for raising kids with healthy screen habits. They set out to make sure that the next generation will grow up to be captivated by life, not screens. And I don't know about you, but I think I could use a little more of that in my life too. So I sat down with Tracy today, not only to learn more about the work she does at Screen Sanity, but to learn how we can all prevent ourselves from burning out from digital overload. It's overwhelming how often we are summoned by our digital tools that we put in place, at least theoretically, to make our lives easier, not to be you know, called upon by those devices every minute of every day. So I sat down with Tracy for a really interesting conversation all about how we, especially as women in the workplace, can set healthy boundaries personally and professionally and technologically. And I realized the irony of me talking through digital boundary setting while every one of us is probably currently multitasking listening to this podcast in some kind of digital device at this very moment. But Hear me out. Tracy makes it very clear in our conversation that it's not technology that's evil. In fact, technology can be a wonderful way to bring people together like you and I right now. But without intentionality, without mindful engagement with our digital devices, we can find ourselves on the receiving end of too much information all the time. So let's tune into my conversation now with Tracy all about how we can be better digital consumers ourselves. Tracy, welcome to the Bossed Up Podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here and to talk with you. Yeah, I'm excited to learn more about Screen Sanity. Tell me first how you got into this business and how you started this organization. Yeah, well, years ago, it was probably about 12 years ago, I was doing a strategy consulting project. So that's where my background is. And I was working for a huge toy company. And Emily, Mm. as the mom of a one-year-old, I cannot say the name of the company, but I can basically guarantee that you own this company's products. And it was when every product came with an app and it was like, okay, we're going to sell a Care Bear. That's not the right product. We're going to sell a Care Bear and it's going to come with an app. And as we were sitting around in the boardroom, the leaders of this huge corporation that affects society so much basically shared that they didn't think that this was the right thing for our kids. And there was increasing research showing, hey, that's super high margin. Like if we want to hit our numbers, if we want to deliver stock price growth, like this is really <laughs> going to help us. But we actually think that it's not the right thing from a from Do a you mean um, 
capitalism was not in alignment with our social well-being? How bizarre. Shocking. How unusual. <laughs> and I was just doing this. Like, I was making the slides, creating the strategy, facilitating the meetings, totally staying in my lane. But mm -hmm. I was pregnant. And so the head mm. of research came up to me after one of these conversations and basically said, hey, I hope you're paying attention to this. Because as much as this industry is at a moral impasse, our society is at a moral impasse. And mm, you are about absolutely. to have, you know, all of these things. And it was like, oh my And you're gosh. about to be at a personal impasse. That is all exactly. of these things combined. I was like, yes. I'm like, okay, thanks so much. I have been reading the research. I'm following along. But that kind of planted a seed when my yeah. co-founder had a kiddo entering middle school and we were starting to understand what it's like to give a smartphone to kids. And it was just another application of understanding like, wow, what is it like? Just like with that toy company, what are some of the unintended consequences? And like, we'll talk yeah. about today, even like, what are some of the unintended consequences for us just as humans with this incredible yeah. device, but what are some of the side effects? And so we launched into creating an organization to help families navigate this because we're the first generation of parents raising digital natives. We can't just mm. ask our auntie. There's no wisdom right. being handed down from the ages. We're making it up on our own as we go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is the uh, the test generation. <laughs> All the research will be based on these these folks that are not, you know, Y2K babies like us. We knew what it was like to grow up without a smartphone in everyone's pocket. So you know, it's, it's a weird thing that's happening that I'm certainly interested in as a relatively new parent myself. But also I wonder if you've seen the same troubling trends manifest with this great reshuffle to the hybrid workplace. Because now more than ever, even those uh, holdouts that were resistant to Slack channels and resistant to over-reliance on email that were all in person have a, on many fronts had to adapt to the trend away from the brick and mortar office and into something more virtual or more hybrid. Do you feel like just as professionals nowadays, we're getting pinged and alerted and, you know, interacting with technology more than ever before too? Absolutely. I mean, I have felt this personally. I can share with you just candidly. Yeah. I'm coming off of a season of just epic burnout. And mm. as I assess, like, what is it? What is causing this? One of the simple things was technology was the yeah. fact that we are we as people are juggling so much these days and there is mm -hmm. so much less of a boundary between work yeah. and home. And when we're trying to juggle optimizing everything that I'm trying to do at home and everything that I'm trying to do at work, one of the things that I struggled with was trying to squeeze out every single minute to be productive. Mm. And so I started yeah. noticing my brain literally had no downtime. I would, yeah. full transparency, I would leave a meeting to go yeah. have a potty break between my next one. And what am I doing in that two minute period? I'm like checking my emails. And yeah. it seems like information <laughs> overload because yeah. all of a sudden I see an email that might be stressful and I have no time to actually do anything about it because I'm now right. going into another meeting and it's just hanging over my head. So I think one of the biggest things in the yeah. hybrid workplace, but also even just with the way technology is nowadays is we have it yeah. with us all of the time. And yeah. Our brains aren't able to just focus or relax. We're constantly getting inputs and it's overwhelming. What do you think is the cost of that? Oh, well, there's so much. I mean, I will tell you for me personally, it was migraines. I mean, my head yeah. was just getting overpopulated with information. 
Um, there's mm-hmm. a phrase too called infobesity, which is about how now <laughs> we have access to information all the time. And it doesn't yeah. necessarily create physical in obesity, but it creates a mental sense of just drag. Um, yeah. The other I thing can is- see like my browser speed slowing down. <laughs> yes. You know, you said drag and it's like, yeah, brain fog, drag, like that I'm overheating kind of feeling in the motherboard is not functioning at a high level. It's, yes. It's hard Simon to compete. Sinek. If you've, he's the author of Start With Why. I love mm-hmm. him. And he talks about how basically our entire generation is operating in a state of what's called continuous partial attention. And what that means is we're constantly looking at different things. We're like working on a PowerPoint presentation and then a Slack notification pops up. Or we have yeah. our phone propped up next to our computer and something comes up there. And when you're working in that state of continuous partial attention, it takes four times as long to do a task. So yeah, probably to do anything, us, right? Yeah. Yeah, to do anything. So for most of us who are already feeling like we're being pulled thin and really trying to strive hard to hit various results, to be like, oh shoot, this thing that I'm doing, I think I'm being so productive. But multitasking mm. in many ways is a myth. So I'm all totally. for in my own life, I'm trying to do more monotasking. How can mm-hmm. I just focus? Yeah, I think it's so important, right? Yeah. Because that's where depth comes from, right? Like, I think you have to choose breadth or depth. Like, you are either doing 17 things half-assed or you are doing one thing as well as you possibly can. And some days, I think working parents especially know this, we just have to do 17 things poorly. Yeah. (laughs) Because the kid needs to eat, even if it's chicken nuggets, and I need to go to the bathroom, even if it's with a one-year-old clinging to my leg. You know what I mean? Like, I need to get my ass into work. And so it's just like... Those things need to happen, and that's one of those breadth days. Like last week, I was keynoting two conferences back-to-back while we were shooting a video to talk about my speaking, while we were making sure the client felt catered to, while I was making sure our team was nurturing relationships in real time. It's like, yeah, I could do all of those things better if I were just doing one of those things. And then there are some days, like when Irene on our team and I are – customizing curriculum for a client that requires your full attention, requires deep thinking to be innovative, to be creative. But it's sort of like, I don't know, like there is a reality there, isn't there, Tracy? As a CEO, as a as a co-founder, you know, mm-hmm. like there you have to make that choice, hopefully mindfully, but you can't always choose monotasking, can you? No, you absolutely can't. And there are so many times where I'm so grateful for smartphones and other technology that enables me to multitask. So that I can tell a client, or this was back before working at Screen Sanity, but I could tell a client, hey, I sent off that deck. I'm heading out for the night. Text me if you have anything. Whereas years before, Mm -hmm. I would have had to like stay glued to my desk because if the client had a last minute need, I had to be available, right? So these phones give us so much more opportunity. But I do think it's exactly like you said of being intentional and having this like self-awareness because I find at least for me, and we hear this from a lot of people, if we're not intentional, we can just fall and default into that crazy state. Right. You have to actually yeah. be intentional to say, okay, this is deep work time. What do I do? And actually, most of us have far less of an attention span than we ever used to. So doing mm-hmm. deep work, especially for the youngers of us who have mm-hmm. never had it undivided, it actually is like you literally need to train your brain and be like, okay, I'm going to try to focus for 15 minutes on just one task. But it's true, like you said, I mean, that deep work, 
Almost everything that we're most proud of requires some level of sustained attention over time. Yeah. And so the more that we can create spaces, it doesn't need to be all the time though. I love Emily that you described how there are times where you just have to like, just go. And then there are times where like, okay, now I need to really give my attention. Yeah. I get a little bit of an adrenaline rush, I think, from that shallow work sometimes, for lack of a better word, right? Like a high volume day can be certainly not my deepest work, but it can be kind of um, dopamine boosting. So Simon Sinek also wrote this book, Leaders Eat Last, and he talks about the brain chemistry of leadership. And some days you're slaying that to-do list, you're cruising through your inbox to get to zero, and those are all dopamine hits, right? It's almost Pavlovian, that response we get that's like, all right. I'm doing good. Ding, ding, ding. And then the boring, frankly, deeper work is painful. Like writing a book, as you know, is like I used to liken, I likened my author journey to juicing a rock because some (laughs) days it felt like I was trying to just squeeze words out of my brain that would bore me. And that's not a good place to be if your own book that you're writing is boring you. But (laughs) It is so different than the dopamine hit that comes with high volume tasks that you're right. right. It's really uncomfortable. So how do you get more comfortable with that sort of digital detox moment when it calls for that? Yeah, I think one of the best ways is to start thinking of a couple just practical things you can do. So one is, do you start having a few meetings where they're device free? We loved the story Mm -hmm. of an executive at a local tech company who did a device-free leadership meeting. And she told people in advance, because you cannot do a device-free meeting without warning people, but she told yeah, people in advance. Good. And even still, they didn't believe it was actually going to happen. So when the meeting comes and she's like, here's the basket, we're all going to check in our phones. They're like, and no computers, because there's so much where people are like on their computer while in the meeting. We can talk about yeah. that. But what was crazy is she said, after at the end of two hours, People said that was the most engaging and productive meeting they had been in in as long as they could remember. And the Mm. meeting actually ended early because it was so productive because they were able to be generative. But here's the thing. There are different types of meetings that really need that generativeness. Some other meetings, if you're just going through a a laundry list of who's who's on with this client and there are all sorts of people there who most of them don't even have to pay attention, that's a different situation. So thinking about that in the workplace, I also think... One of the biggest things that's been helpful for me is thinking about maybe starting to look at your tech later in the day. Mm. And this can start the night before. But the more that this is going to be so bold. I know it sounds crazy if someone hasn't done this Mm -hmm. before. But to try to not sleep with your phone next to you. Because if... I'm a longtime convert of that. Because I, I know my weak link, which is TikTok. Okay, let's be clear. I could scroll into the depths of TikTok until I basically reached the bottom, okay? (laughs) I've done it before, it's not good. How many of those messages of like, hey, you've been scrolling for a while now, Emily, get your ass into bed. Like, I have been pumping until midnight watching TikToks justifying that behavior as like part of my mom journey. And if I don't leave that phone in the kitchen every night, like, I will be on it. So I have had my phone out of the bedroom for years and it is, the only way that this insomniac sleeps. It's truly a game changer. It's a game changer. I mean, whether it's those personal things that you want to dig into or professional things, if you wake up in the middle, so many people, it's so natural. I'm not judging. I've been there. 
that, oh, oh I woke up to go to the bathroom. I wonder, let me just check in real quick on work. Why? It's three yeah. You know, like this is You're not- like, this is my most productive hour. <laughs> yeah. And so I think that just being really diligent about that, or for me, I even try to have, I'm in a life stage where I have kiddos that get taken to school. And so if I wake up, I don't, I'm not an early person. I don't wake up earlier than they do yeah. and start getting my work day. And I, I wake yeah. up, get them out and then start my work day. And I realized even like, what can I do to start to not check my email until I get them to school? Because it's yeah. actually stressful enough to get them to school. Why am yeah. I doing all of these emails bouncing around in my head that again, I can't actually do anything about it. So yeah. there are so many different things that we we could talk about related to this. I just think your point overall that keeps coming up is if you accept the notification into your brain, right? Like if you get that input of information at a time when you can do nothing about it, there's pain there, isn't there? Yes. So so it's like if you're in the toilet or if you're at the school drop-off line and you read an email but you can't give it your attention, why the hell are we reading those things? So where do you think that compulsion comes from? Do you think it's just this cult of productivity or anxiety or boredom and discomfort with boredom? Like, why are we seeking out that, that information? Or why is that information just dropping into our consciousness at all the wrong times? <laughs> yeah. Well, I would say it's probably dropping into our consciousness almost all the time. So sometimes yeah. it's dropping in at the right times and then other it's just dropping right. in all the time. So it's also dropping in at the wrong times. I think a lot of it does go back to the dopamine. Our brain loves those quick hits. And mm. like, ironically, there are so many times where if you check your email, you actually really don't want an email from work, but you still feel right. this like dopamine drop of like, wait, there was nothing there. Okay, let me go somewhere else to find the stimulation. So it creates right. that short term, like, we're like twitchy, like you said, Pavlovian. Yeah. And so it's really hard to just let there be peace and not feel that FOMO and say, okay, I'm going to find the joy of missing out, not the fear of missing out. And then I'll show up healthier. That's interesting. You know, I just had this image almost of like, if our digital technology were a person and we were personally summoned by this individual as often as our devices summon us, that person would be so annoying and inappropriate. But because they're devices, right, we would be like, who, you think I'm going to drop everything I'm doing right now and pay attention to you just because you pinged me? (laughs) You know, like if this were one person who was embodying every app in our lives, we'd be like, that person sucks. But instead, we think that that's, that this technology is there to help us. And we've convinced ourselves that like, oh, what a, what a delight that we can be summoned by our devices all these times. It's a crazy it's a crazy request to drop what you're doing and pay attention to this blinking thing or buzzing thing, isn't it? It's enticing. And so I think the biggest thing is to just start by saying, one of the things that we say a lot is technology is not bad. It does so many wonderful things, but when does it get to the point that it's actually getting in your way? It's not just helping you, Mm. it's actually hurting you. And so being really intentional and saying, what are my values or what are the corporate values depending on the situation? But like, what am I striving for? Be it workplace productivity, workplace relationships, other things in your life. And literally just thinking through how is technology helping me do those things? Cause there are a freaking ton of ways that it is. And then where is it getting in the way? Like, where am I noticing that I have relational stress with someone who I work with because the person's emails always seem passive aggressive. 
right? Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever had a situation Mm -hmm. like that. And so then you're like, okay, this person, I need to just get out of that spiral and I need to call the person, zoom the person or go to their desk or whatever you can do in that environment. We were just talking actually at our huddle this morning or Monday morning meeting about some of the tools we use every day at Bust Up, Asana, a task management software comes to mind, and Slack, which we use for the three out of the five days that we work from home at Bust Up. And I think we started using Asana and Slack with certain intentions, yep. and then we've, we've gone away from those intentions. And so now everyone's using them or not using them to their own, you know, in their own liking or to their own uh, extent in really different ways. And it sort of came to a head last week when I realized, wow, it's not that like we don't want to use them. It's that we don't know what the purpose of it, of using oh, these tools purpose. are anymore. So we have to recalibrate. we got to get on the same page because what's the point of using these things? Is it just a piece of bureaucracy and documentation or is it actually designed to help us? And if it is, I, I have a theory that they can be very helpful, as you're saying, we, the humans who are using them, have to make sure we're all on the same page about how they're used, right? Which takes a lot of time and energy and effort. (laughs) It does. And I don't know what the right frequency is, but I think your your emphasis of the word purpose is spot on. Because if we're not intentional, we get distracted. It's just accidental. And we kind of need to always be reminded, what is our purpose? And it can hold for a sauna and whatever other Slack, other systems that you're using. I think it also can be so useful to pull up as a team, whatever cadence yeah. feels right, and say, hey, what are our communication expectations? Like we yeah. heard once from someone who works in a hospital and they literally made it clear, hey, these are surgeons. Hey, if we need you immediately, we will call you. If we mm-hmm. need a reply within an hour, we will text you. If we need mm-hmm. a response within a day, we will email you. And it really nice. was liberating because people you know, they probably needed to be reminded, but they started doing the things in the right cadence so people could then process it. And there's so much power dynamic behind that. So I was just chuckling because I think you, Anna, had said last Monday about one of our team members, um, Kirby was out of office. It was her birthday on that Saturday. And you had said, yeah, I was just texting with her to wish her a happy birthday. And I thought, oh, should I have texted her? Because, like, yeah. I have her number, but she was out of office. It was the weekend. It's vacation, and I'm Kirby's boss. Yeah. And so I thought about it in that moment. I was like, should I have texted her? And then I went, no. You know, nobody wants to see their boss's name ping them on their phone, even on their birthday or any day, really, on the weekend. That's like, it, it just will shoot a little momentary panic up everyone's spine. You know what I mean? Like, even if the intention was good, I didn't want to cause any, like, rise in cortisol in my employee's body on her birthday. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to wish her a happy birthday when she's back, and that'll be that'll be sufficient. Because I just don't want to – like, there is a power dynamic, which is fundamentally different than hearing from your colleague. I want to go back, Tracy, to what you just said about intonation and meaning. Because we know that yeah. we live in a world – where women in the workplace in particular and women leaders, um, to be even more specific, run into some serious double binds when it comes to be taken when it comes to being taken seriously, but also being seen as warm and likable. And yes. if only likability didn't matter, this would be less of a conversation, but we know it does matter. So I was just sitting down last week actually with a friend of mine who is also a client of mine, senior, senior leader, global company, very 
big head honcho. And the ta- the number of times she said, I'm so sorry, or I apologize, this was not good, and it was like just full of self-deprecation. I was like, what are you talking about? And it's a very real thing, a very real double bind that women run into where we're trying to be taken seriously and we've got, you know, things to boss up about. But at the same time, we want to be nice and kind and caring and sweet. And so in a world in which technology has really relied on a lot of flat text conversation, do you think that women in particular would benefit from something more off the page, like a Voxer, or, or in is digital communication, you think, putting us as women in even more of a disadvantage? That's a fascinating question. I'm super intrigued. There's one thing that first comes to my mind related to your story, which is yeah. that over-apologizing. It makes mm. me think about boundaries with technology, because I think women are by far feeling this need to always mm. respond. I mean, totally. and I, so I'm so many- sorry for the late reply that was not at all late, right? Yes. We have talked about this on yeah. our own team, which is a team of mostly women, where it's yeah. like, we have gone through the things of like, hey, if we leave something in Voxer, we don't expect you to listen. You expect you to listen to it sometime in 24 hours. And people will be like, I'm so sorry that I got so behind. And you're like, wait, it was what, 32 minutes? I, like, that no. drives me crazy. Yeah, yeah. And it's that really, I think that this is one place that women are affected more because we always want to be responding. And so yeah. the more that we can do, I mean, this actually was even before cell phones were so much. I remember on one of my first strategy consulting projects, I was the only female on an all-male team. And mm. they were way more just black and white about boundaries. Yeah. And I was like, why am I like apologizing about so much of this? You know, I need to just be like, here's what I have. And once I started yeah. just doing that in a very firm, actually flat, almost like it was an email way, mm. I was actually a lot more respected. And so I think that you can't guarantee this. There are a lot of toxic workplaces where really all they want is for you to just constantly be at their beck and call. But totally. I do think with technology, the more that you can think about like creating boundaries and thus respecting other people's boundaries too, um, yeah. I think it can actually show some self-confidence and not yeah. apologizing when it took you 16 minutes to reply to an email that wasn't actually urgent, right. you know, Absolutely. or taking a text. If someone sends you a text and you know it's not urgent and then you choose to email them back, like as yeah. women, it's really hard to set those boundaries. But I think it is so powerful and tech is one of the places that you can do that. Totally. And like, no matter what you do, no matter how you try, there's always going to be someone who's got something to say about how you set that boundary, right? If it's like women should stop using the word just in emails is like a headline that comes to mind or start, you know, leading with intent, then get to your sort of content, which is advice that I parrot all the time here. It's like, calm, like, I don't want to tell anyone to calm down, much less women, but it's just like the world will always judge our communication. So you might as well make yourself proud in that moment, right? Because there's the possibility of being misconstrued when you're setting a boundary is always going to be there. And you don't want to have to do damage control constantly. You want to get feedback so you can be a better communicator, but I feel like it's so subjective. What is some person's passive aggression in an email is another person's everyday conversation. Oh my gosh, I know. Well, and I'm fascinated by your question of does it, would it disproportionately help women if we had more of that intonation? 
And I wonder if this goes back to just being really strategic. Like if you're interfacing with someone who's, I don't mean to gender stereotype, so maybe I just won't, but if you're interfacing with someone who maybe happens to be a male and maybe is just like a lot more curt, it might actually serve you really well to just, you know, gun up and do an email exchange that's like, you have more confidence. You might be Mm. able to feel really good, you know, Mm. if you're able to like, type out that email five times and think about like the first time and you put 18 apologies in it and then you know that you should (laughs) do that. So you delete all of them. I mean, there's some real benefits, but I do think in other cases, like maybe just think with different people, with different contexts, is this something where I'm actually trying to kind of like be more flat because that actually helps me? Or is this Mm. something where being able to connect with people um, is is helpful? Totally. And I feel like there is sound research behind like relationship management from an emotional intelligence standpoint always starts with warmth before you get down to business, right? So it's like, look, if I'm on a global team, I'm working across time zones, I'm working across continents. If I can have a phone call, at least a video call better, an in-person meeting best to establish who the hell are you? What makes you tick? What are you all about? What are you motivated by? Sometimes it it feels to my clients like unnecessary, you know, Mm -hmm. like just office small talk. But I remember one of our level up leaders in particular in our leadership accelerator who had just stepped into a really big leadership role at a young age and had some direct reports she was really worried about. They had every reason to be skeptical of her ability to do this job well. They had 40 years on her respectively, and they worked in a different state. And I said, listen, here's what you need to ask your boss for. You need coverage for a week-long trip to their neck of the woods. You need to hang out with them. You need to break some bread with them. You need to get to know their thoughts, their motivations, their fears, if you can get at those. And establish yourself not only as their new boss and leader, but as their champion who wants to hear from them. And that first week in that role, that's what you do. And then Absolutely. get around, you know, get around to all the bossing up you got to do. So it's like that one move of establishing rapport before getting down to business made every email that followed, every Slack message that followed, every text message that followed land all the better. Because now you don't have to assume best intentions. You've already established them. Tell me more about what you at Screen Sanity have to offer. Because I know you've got tons of resources there. Not only where people can dive deeper into these kinds of conversations, but as it also relates to digital technology in the home and with with kiddos. So tell me more about what you've got going on. Yeah, so that is our sweet spot. Our deepest focus is to help families, parents, or other trusted adults figure out how to mentor and guide our kids. Mm. Um, We're the first generation, as I mentioned, and guess what? National surveys show that technology is the number one battleground in homes. Another crazy thing is our kids are increasing digital natives, but only 14% of youth share that they have ever had a helpful or productive conversation with any trusted adult about their digital lives. So our kids are like swimming in the cesspool without even having like a life preserver. (laughs) Yeah. It's hard. And so we really focus on leading with empathy about the fact that in many ways, people will complain about how hard it is to be a parent in this, in this age. And it's, it's actually really hard to be a kid in this age, yeah. the social pressures, the cancel culture, 
the obligation to take a public stance on every single social, political, all of these different issues, it is so much weight on our kids' shoulders. And so our deepest passion is to equip parents to step into those conversations with their kids, to be their little, let's see, Cliff's Notes or like, you know, secret, secret helper, secret weapon. So they can help. And then also to help parents step into conversations with other parents, because at younger ages in particular, we are able to help make new cultural norms for our kids, but it's Mm. so much harder to do it on your own. So the more that you can have strength in numbers, uh, it just enables you to really help set your kid up for, for health with, we call it digital health. Just like you think about physical health and mental health. How is this helping your helping your health? So I, yeah, you can check out screensanity.org for lots of resources that help families as they're navigating this I change. Love that. And I absolutely will. I got one year under the belt yes. as a mom. And I feel like, you know, I've got lots of questions about babies and screen time and, and digital health in the family, but also it's funny that just this morning at Bossed Up HQ, we were talking about how are we using these digital tools and how can we make sure we're using them intentionally. So thank you awesome. so much for the tips and the practical application that you shared with us today. I'm really excited to, to keep this conversation going. Thanks so much. Awesome, Tracy. Thanks for being here. For more details and links to all the resources that Tracy and I mentioned, head to bossedup.org slash episode 369. That's bossedup.org slash episode 369. And now let's head over to the Bossed Up Courage community where we can keep the conversation going. I'd love to hear what you thought about what we shared in today's episode and get your take right now. And until next time, let's keep Boston in pursuit of our purpose. And together, let's lift as we climb. 